Hey everybody, on today's episode of Keeping It Real, it's the coronavirus episode. And quite honestly, I never thought I'd have the opportunity to sit down with a doctor, unless of course, uh, perhaps I was exhibiting symptoms of COVID-19. But that's not the case yet. Um, I actually was in some ways on the front lines of it today at a doctor's office, speaking with Dr. David Hutzel of Greenfield Internal Medicine here in Erie, Pennsylvania. Dr. Hutzel uh, has... Uh, a great amount of knowledge and he is definitely has his um, finger on the pulse, if you will, of what's happening with coronavirus, specifically here in Erie, Pennsylvania. Obviously, we're all following it uh, on a global level or really we've been inundated with information regarding the, the uh, disease and we have really seen probably a lot of fear in our social media feeds, but I really wanted to provide some clarity around the coronavirus today with Dr. Hudson and asking him some questions that we are all wondering, some things that we haven't heard in some of the, the media messaging. And I even reached out to folks on social media and asked them for questions that maybe they wanted answered. And I asked Dr. Hudson some of those questions. So I really appreciated our conversation. I definitely thought Dr. Hudson brought up some points and some insight and perspective that I had not considered. And um, I think especially if you live in the Erie, Pennsylvania region, this one's going to hit home for you because Dr. Hutzel is talking about how this will really impact us locally and what we can expect as far as the social distancing aspect, um, finding a vaccine, and how long we might be uh, cooped up in our homes. So great perspective from Dr. Dave Hutzel uh, on today's episode of Keeping It Real. Enjoy. Yeah, so my name's David Hutzel. Uh, I'm an MD. Uh, I do a type of medicine called internal medicine, which is, uh, that's not a real great name for the type of specialty I have, but basically I take care of adults. Uh, My patients, I take care of anybody who's 18 years old or above. Um, And sort of our specialty is, you know, just managing adult medicine. And uh, I'm a farm boy from Ohio. Went to school in Cleveland. I was in the Navy. And then we moved to Erie in 2003. And I've worked uh, here in Erie since then. So when did the farm boy decide he wanted to get into medicine? Yeah. I when the, vet, when the vet came out to the farm to take horns off calves and give shots to the horses, and I was, I was just fascinated. And so as a kid, just seeing the vet um, and then um, I'm... I like people, so uh, um, so was fascinated by veterinary medicine, but really was you know really drawn towards seeing people, and was always drawn towards biology classes in high school, and um, was sort of fascinated with biology in college, and so uh, it was sort of a natural fit for me. Awesome. So before we get jump right into the whole epidemic that we've got going on here, uh, or I guess pandemic, have you ever? Have you ever seen anything like this? You've been in medicine several years. Have you ever seen a, a season where we're kind of in in right now as far as like the sickness and the illness and the overall panic? Have you ever yeah. been through something like this? Yeah, and I think that's a great question. And the answer is yes, a resounding yes. So in 2003, we had a virus called the SARS virus. And that was a coronavirus, very similar to this. Uh, several years ago around Mecca, in Saudi Arabia, they had a MERS virus, M-E-R-S, that was also a coronavirus. And so what we're seeing now is very similar to viruses that we've seen before. And um, we will see this again. Uh, We will see this again. So 
Although this may seem like overkill, a lot of the social distancing, shutting down businesses, etc. I'm trying to be find the silver lining. And I think the silver lining I have for people, for people that think this is overkill, we're going to see this virus again. This virus is going to continue to mutate. And in the future, it could be even more serious. So I think we should view this as a nice practice run for our country and for our globe. And I think you're going to see lessons three, six, nine months from now. And what I would ideally see is, okay, what's a level one? We're preparing for pandemic. What's a level two? What's a level three? Because I think we're going to see this again. And, uh, you know, the everybody talks about the uh, Spanish flu of 1918. That killed 2% of the entire world population. 100 million people in 1918 died from Spanish flu. Now, flu is different from this virus, but this virus is a very deadly virus, the one we're facing right now, relatively compared to the flu. And I do think we will see this again. And I think this is a good trial run for what we're going to see five years 10 years down the road. And so I think this is sort of a wake-up call to our very crowded, very busy, very international world that you and I live in. So for all the folks that might, I guess, you know, on the daily, I mean, I was just watching the news in your lobby here, be inundated with information about the coronavirus. Everybody thinks, I think I know everything there is to know about the virus. Uh, maybe at this point they're saying, well, what could Dr. Hutzel possibly share that I haven't already heard? Yeah. My question to you is to kind of flip the script and ask, what aren't people really talking about that maybe they should be when it comes to the coronavirus? Yeah. Well, a couple of interesting facts. So a little bit of a myth, uh, you know, so a virus is not technically a living organism. Um, it's actually just a piece of DNA or RNA wrapped in protein. So these are not organisms that crawl or jump or hop. These are basically inanimate little objects of protein um, with DNA or RNA wrapped in them that are carried um, in the world that we live in. Um, <clears throat> this absolutely does uh, come from China. There's no doubt about it. And that's the perfect breeding uh, bed for it where you have uh, animals, humans, uh, mixed together in very close quarters in warm, hot, close quarters. And so it's the perfect breeding ground. And so it absolutely does come from China. It will continue to come from China unless we see major changes in their population and how they handle their wet markets. So a lot of times people think of this, you know, virus as being something that's attacking us. And it's very much not. It's a, it's a passive particle. It's a passive inanimate particle that's basically carried in the wind. Um, if you do the things that they're talking about, uh, such as, you know, cleaning your home, cleaning your hands, it really, re it really does provide tremendous protection. So a lot of the things that we're hearing ad nauseum over and over again about hand washing, wiping your things down, you know, they actually do work. And they've shown that now in, in numerous, um, labs with these previous coronaviruses. They're very sensitive to bleach. They're very sensitive to soap. They're very sensitive to just good hygiene and hand washing. So although we're sick of hearing it, if we do what we're hearing, it will help us and it will save us. Um, you know, in terms of the uh, 
one of the frustrations that we have here in Erie is we don't really know how many cases we have. I know one was recorded as yesterday. Uh, St. Vincent started testing today. I know UPMC is planning on starting to test within the next 48 to 72 hours. There's a little bit of a, as you can imagine, um, a difficulty getting the testing material up and running. And it's, it isn't as simple as just putting toothpicks together. These are complex tests that involve numerous steps to make them accurate. So I know people are frustrated that we haven't had testing sooner. And all I can say to the people out there is, is just please understand all of the many pieces that have to go together to get the test accurate. You know, because anybody can just swab you, but why swab you if you're not going to be confident in the results? And so that's really what we're trying to zero down in is how can we do this efficiently? How can we, you know, if we swab you and tell you you're negative, can you walk out of there feeling confident that it's negative or vice versa? You know, because obviously if there's social and economical ramifications. If I tell you your, your swab is positive. Um, I think the virus is uh, more prevalent in Erie. I think there's many more cases. I'm sure that I've seen people this week with the coronavirus. And fortunately for most of us, relatively young, relatively healthy, it's a minor infection. Um, and some people are, have it and don't even know they're infected. But um, unfortunately, um, when it does get serious, it can be very serious very quickly. And I think we're going to start seeing those cases over the next week or so. Mm-hmm. So is your, I guess your instinct tell you, I mean, mine does, that once the testing starts locally here in Erie County, that we're going to realize there's actually a lot of people yes. that have it. You're, you're saying you've tested people this week. Well, I've seen people that, you know, I, I saw a young woman this week that uh, we swabbed her for flu. She had a high fever, a cough, swabbed her for flu, negative. We swabbed her for RSV, a very common virus in children, negative. Um, she doesn't have a bacterial pneumonia because we did a chest x-ray. There's not many other things this is going to be. And this lady was sick, high fever, harsh cough, very short of breath. So I do think there are more cases here than we have identified simply because we just have not been able to test yet. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. So once the testing begins, I guess one one question uh, people have asked me, because I, you know, when I found out I was going to get to talk to you, I asked some folks, hey, I'm going to talk to a doctor tomorrow. What are some questions and concerns you have that I could ask Dr. Hutzel? One uh, young mother actually asked me, when do we know it's the right time to get tested? You know, you, you don't want to go and get tested and take away maybe from someone who actually has the symptoms. That's a great question. But when is the right time? Because they are telling you, if you think you have it, don't go near a doctor's office because you could spread it. But, you know, should even someone that feels great, should I go get checked just so I know, okay, I got it. I better definitely quarantine. Or do we leave space for the people that are exhibiting the symptoms? Yeah, that's a great question. So one of the leaders from our hospital earlier today was saying we need to be socially responsible for each other because there's only X number of kits. If I was king for the day and it was all up to me, I really think the Koreans have done it correctly. They somehow, some way were able to mass produce kits and they've tested almost everybody. And, and Korea has been able to isolate the positives very quickly. They've been able to um, not shut their businesses down. Korea is business as usual right now. And it's really because they're testing, testing, testing. 
Um, so I think lesson learned for us in the future, when this occurs again in five or 10 years, let's get the kits up and running sooner rather than later. So that's sort of my wish, but let's deal with reality. <clears throat> the criteria for who we're going to uh, test is being developed. And again, I think in the next 24 to 72 hours here in Erie, you're going to see a massive uptick in the amount of people that we are testing. Um, right now, that is going to be primarily restricted to people that are sick. So example like that lady that I saw the other day, high fever, harsh cough. She was short of breath. She was breathing 30 times a minute, um, which is more than twice the normal. Absolutely. She's going to be the type of lady that we're going to isolate and get her uh, for appropriate testing. Um, again, ideally, everybody would be tested. So I think we would have accurate zones of what families are affected, et cetera. But that's just not reality. We just don't have that capacity yet. So I think for the young mom, if she's feeling relatively well, her kids are relatively well, they're out playing basketball with the neighbors, probably can forego testing. Ideally, I'd like to test her, but we just don't have the capacity yet. Okay. So I guess what what I would follow up with that question is if you have a child or you are exhibiting symptom A, B, and C, how, as someone who is not a doctor, do I know, because I've seen so many different, you know, spreadsheets and data that say, if you check all these boxes, you could have coronavirus. What are some fundamental differences in symptoms between Corona and just, you mentioned RSV right. and just the common flu, because this is still, we're still in the midst right. of flu season. So I'm worried people are going to think, right. I've got Corona when it's just the flu. Yeah. How do they really know? Yeah. So flu is much more systemic. So flu hits you like a train, uh, headache, nausea, body aches. People don't want to get out of bed. So flu is much more of a systemic illness. So headache, body ache, muscle aches. People are just wiped out. RSV and coronavirus are very similar to each other, but it's primarily um, people with uh, corona who get sick. It's all lung. So we've had people calling us this week. I saw a gentleman earlier today who has diarrhea. That we know of, coronavirus should not cause nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, belly pain. Um, yeah, you could get some body aches, but it's body aches because you have a fever. Um, so it's going to be primarily pulmonary, manifesting with shortness of breath, cough. Those are going to be the big things, but not necessarily the other things that you see with flu. Um, so it's primarily that. Um, the other interesting thing uh, that just came out today is there is some preliminary literature suggesting that people should avoid using anti-inflammatories such as ibuprofen, et cetera. Although it makes you feel better, you sort of are shutting your immune system down from doing what it needs to do. Um, and you're also affecting some of the cascade um, involved in the immune system that we need. Um, specifically, ibuprofen increases a enzyme in the lungs called ACE, A-C-E. And it, there is some preliminary literature that suggests that people that are taking ibuprofen could actually do worse than people that are just letting nature take its course. So, so it's going to be primarily pulmonary, cough, shortness of breath, fevers, not the other symptoms, 
And again, um, for people that love to take ibuprofen because of their back pain, whatever, um, you probably would be better served not to take that stuff. Understood. Okay. So if we're getting back to some of the preventative measures, uh, obviously the hand washing and things like that, that we've heard time and time again that you supported earlier. Are there any other lesser known ways that people can avoid this? Is there any value in nutrition or yeah. vitamin C or anything like that? Because obviously the washing the hands makes total sense. Sanitizing is what everyone's being told. You said that was really important, but is there any other elements or, or practices that people aren't talking about as much? Yeah. So think of spring cleaning your home. Um, so I know it's a little chilly still here. If you can get those windows open, you can change the filters in your furnace. If you could kind of do a nice deep cleaning of your home, changing the linens, changing the towels, really doing what we all typically do every spring, you know, really running the vacuum, moving the bed, really getting in the nooks and crannies of your home, really doing that deep spring cleaning, letting some fresh air blow through your home. You know, again, I realize it's a little chilly, but if, if people could tolerate it, that could be beneficial. Going back to the SARS virus model, when this hit in 2003, the numbers plummeted as soon as we had warm, hot, sunny weather. You know, so as soon as we see these nice, what we think of spring, Easter, Sunday mornings, that's when we're really going to see these numbers plummet. And that's what we're hoping will be the same with this virus as well. So, you know, really that nice, deep spring cleaning of your home, getting those windows open. Um, when your kids are cooped up at home, get them outside. Get them, you know, playing kickball in the backyard. Get them in some fresh air. Um, you mentioned vitamin C and things like that. You know, generally speaking, um, you want to be careful. Uh, one of the top causes of liver failure in Pittsburgh that requires people to require liver transplants is overzealous or overabundant amount of over-the-counter supplements and vitamins. It's one of the top causes of acute liver failure, uh, you know, our big transfer centers down in Pittsburgh. So generally speaking, I recommend people avoid, you know, if 500 milligrams of vitamin C are good, this is not one of those situations where a thousand or 2000 or 5,000 are better. Um, you want to be cautious before you jump on the high supplement, high vitamin bandwagon. There's a lot of studies. Uh, so for example, um, changing subjects a little bit, a couple of years ago, the Cleveland Clinic published an article talking about the common cold. And they found that the zinc supplement coldies uh, or zinc supplement, not specifically coldies, but zinc helped shorten the duration of cold. What they didn't mention is if you take more than 50 milligrams of zinc, you can do irreversible hearing damage. So, you know, I think that basically just generally good nutrition that we all know about, you know, sort of plenty of fruits, plenty of vegetables, whole grains, you know, don't smoke, alcohol in moderation, get plenty of rest, have a well-balanced, a colorful diet where you have you know, green leafy vegetables, carrots, you have a nice colorful plate sitting in front of you. If you want to take a multiple vitamin, knock yourself out. But I think going much above beyond that, there's no literature to support it. 
And for the people that are really hardcore on vitamins and supplements, there is a lot of case reports of people really doing damage. So be cautious before you jump on the, if a little is good, more is better. You know, it's, it, it can be harmful. It can be harmful. Yeah. So, That's interesting. So yeah. no over, don't overcompensate for yeah. Yeah. the vitamin, what you usually take, continue yep. to just take the vitamins. And I guess what you're saying makes sense because they're saying, you know, if you're, you're either elderly or at risk are the people that are most susceptible to this. So I suppose that if you're at risk, then you aren't perhaps, you know, they're saying diabetic folks and people that have a lower immune system, perhaps you aren't following some of the basic health practices like you're talking about, if you're already at risk, um, immunity and, and, and just general health. So what you're saying is what I'm hearing is just continue to be healthy. There's nothing you can really do besides what you, practicing good sanitation and washing your hands and things like that. There's no over-the-counter miracle drug. Yeah, good nutrition, you know, and it really, I think if your diet is poor, I think that that affects us, you sure. know, you know, so eating, if you're a diet that's too much alcohol, too much junk food, I think you're going to pay the price for that. And so, um, you know, just good health one-on-one -on -one issues that we all learned as kids and learned in high school. Those are all things that we should do. Um, and again, be careful with the supplements, be careful with the vitamins. That's interesting because I've like doubled up on my vitamin sure. C because I'm like, oh, it's cold and flu season yeah, and Corona's yeah, going around these yeah, days. So yeah. I better eat more vitamin C. But yep. A lot wow. of people do. Interesting. Okay. Um, I got two more questions that some folks asked me to, to relate to you. One of them was if you were, you know, with Governor Wolf's recent guidelines that he released about essential businesses and non-essential business, who was allowed to open shop and who was not supposed to, you know, shut down completely, were the folks that are considered essential businesses, people that are still opening their doors, um, service providers like yourself, what, how do those folks address? Like, I mean, what's, are, should they be wearing masks to work? Should they be wearing gloves as many, as much as possible? What would you recommend yeah. if you were out and yeah. about every day and you are, but what kind of things can they do? This comes from somebody who basically actually asked me because he works on ATMs, like machines where people have their their fingers all over all day. What are some of the practices he can implement? Cause he's still yeah. providing service. Yeah. I mean, I think at some point in time, it's a little bit of a gut check, you know, and I, uh, you know, last Tuesday when I was, when really we started seeing our country really shut down, it was a little bit of a gut check for me. And I kind of asked myself, you know, am I ready? You know, and I don't mean just like, do I have enough toilet paper from Walmart? I mean, am I ready financially? legally, morally, spiritually, am I ready? And I think that, you know, those of us that take the calling that do, you know, uh, what's called essential, you know, things, um, I think you have a little bit of a social obligation to your, your fellow citizens. Um, ideally, I would be at home hanging out with my wife, watching Netflix and uh, reading magazines. Right. But I think if I'm going to have the privilege of being a physician, collect the income that I collect, then damn it, I think I have the moral obligation to step up to the plate. And I think, you know, those of us that are blessed to have these jobs that we have, we can't just take and take and take and not expect to put our lives up there. I don't want to get sick. I certainly don't want to die. But I think I have a little bit, no more than a little bit. I have a big obligation you know, to the citizens. And I think it's important for those in the healthcare. Some of my colleagues um, um, have been saying, you know, you can't make me come to work. 
And I, I think that's a cop out. Um, and so, you know, for people that are in these um, fields that are really necessary, like banking and working in grocery stores, you know, as uh, Governor Cuomo said, for the nurses that were visiting people in homes, Governor Cuomo said, you know, God bless them. And I say the same thing. And I think that the only way we're going to get through this pandemic and, and future pandemics, which are coming, is we have to stick together as a society. And some of us are going to have to step up to the plate and be willing to take those risks. Um, and there is risk there. And I don't want to sound flippant. And I don't want to sound callous about it because there will be people in essential jobs that will get sick. And I, I hope I'm not one, but, you know, again, it was a little bit of a gut check for me last week. You know, am I ready? Sure. So, yeah, a great quote I've been kind of using through this season is, you know, we can choose, uh, and I, I don't take credit for this quote. I heard it from someone else. We can choose fear or we can choose faith because yeah. everyone's scared right now yeah. and we have every reason to be fearful, but we can also be faithful in our, our skills and our ability as service providers such as yourself. And are you going to choose to be scared and stay at home? That's your right. Or are you going to choose to be faithful and say, you know, I've got a purpose in all this. Like you certainly do as a doctor to be out there serving people until I absolutely positively either can't physically or I'm told yeah. by my supervisor or boss to stay home. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we have some, uh, you know, even employees in our office that are very frightened and um, what my, and I got to give credit to my office manager. Okay. Well, if you're afraid to see patients, then what can we do? You're going to be answering phones. You're going to, you're going to serve in a different capacity. And I just think all of us have different levels of tolerance of fear and uh, all of us just have to do what we can do. And, um, but I think not doing anything is, is a, to me is a cop out. Yeah, I agree. Uh, we'll wrap things up here. Let me ask you just a few more questions with the whole social distancing thing. And you had talked about being home just sitting on a couch and watching Netflix. Uh, realistically, like what does that look like? Not only for this, the country, our state, but more, more closely here in Erie County. What does your gut tell you as a realistic timeline for all that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I really do think that when we see warm, and this is just my own personal opinion, I do honestly think when we see warm, sunny weather, this is going to blow through. I really truly, I think you're going to see the numbers plummet. I think you're going to see a spike here in the next two, three days as we start to test between St. Vincent and Hammett. Um, and I, but however, comma, I think you're going to see those, those numbers plummet. My concern is, is the uh, loss of inertia, you know, just like your church, you have a thriving active church. Uh, I go to Holy Cross Catholic church. Our church is doing great. It's full. It's, we have great fish dinners. We have a good social and that all comes to a screeching halt. And my concern as a, as a church goer, as a citizen is we've lost that inertia. And now we have made people sort of realize that, hey, look, I can function without shaking this guy's hand. I, I can now function without interacting with you. My concern as we go forward is that just creates distance between you and I as brothers and sisters that may not always be easily restarted back up. You know, we were already distanced by, you know, communicating on phones and doing as much as we can and working from home, et cetera. My concern is we've lost, we're going to lose some of this. Some of this is going to be irreplaceable. And I, I that's the thing to me is we, like I said, we have these great fish dinners out at Holy Cross and uh, ours got canceled. 
And as we were cleaning up from the last one, one of my uh, fellow guys who was cleaning up said, you know, this is sad. And, uh, you know, I, we had a meeting canceled at church last night. You know, it's sad. These are guys that I look forward to seeing, guys I look forward to hanging out with. And just like your church is a very vibrant, active church. Are we going to be able to restart that? Because it's not like just flicking the switch. Right. And, um, you know, now, you know, a number of people that uh, never had to work from home are now working from home. When this does pass through and passes over, not everybody's going to come back to work. And, and that's that's my concern of, of us as a, as a society and, and, you know, socializing and interacting with each other. That's a great point. And I think you're right. A lot of people are going to realize that a lot of the stuff they can do, they can do without leaving their house. And that was already kind of an issue in our culture now. It's like, you don't need to leave your house with DoorDash and Uber yeah. Eats and all this. Yeah. You don't have to leave your house. And I think as a culture and as humans, we are sort of, we need the human connection, like one-on-one. -on -one. Like we, we can't live in our houses forever. We have to get out yeah. and meet people and yeah. have fellowship and, and food and friendship. But that's a great point is how do we kickstart it? I'm sure some people will come flying out the front door and want to just go sit down and eat fish, you know, at church. But some people, you're right, are going to say, this is kind of nice. Like, I don't have to leave my right. house. On the flip side, though, I will ask you this. I was just thinking about this on my drive to your office. I have seen in the last three days more people outside yeah. walking, running, waving hello. I've, I've seen people walk past my home that I've never seen before. They live right down the street, but they are out of their house walking their dog. Yeah. And I'm like thinking in my head, you know, there's something to be said about this too. When you take away the element of having to drive to the office every day, you take away the element of bringing home your work. There is like a little bit of value in this because I'm like seeing people getting outside and like exercising, even when it's not that great outside weather-wise, it's yeah. not the perfect day to go out for a run. Right. But I am seeing some people, even personally, my wife and I have gotten to sleep in a little bit more lately. We don't have as much work to... There's got to be a little bit of positivity through this right. as well, forcing our culture to slow down and not focus so much on always being on the go. I agree. Yeah, we live in Whitehall um, in Fairview, and uh, there were some girls out doing walk chalk in the middle of the street. And uh, we didn't want to bother them as we were walking by. And they said, hey, do you like our walk chalk? You know, is this, this, you know, <laughs> come on. You know? And you're right. I, we, I have seen way more, many more kids and people walking their dogs and couples holding hands. And, uh, you know, maybe there's something to be said about, uh, being at home with your spouse. I wonder if we're going to have a little baby boom nine months from now, you know, so who knows, you know, you never know. So love is in the air. It's springtime. That's a good point. But, um, no, there are, there are some benefits. I mean, I know that I've enjoyed, you know, uh, um, being able to, uh, just talk with Carol about it, my wife, Carol. And um, yeah, there, there have been more kids out. I do. I do like that. It's yeah. Fun. It's interesting. It's just, it's a weird time, I think in our culture. And um, I just, it's going to be, it's going to be hard. I do think, like you said, for the businesses, small businesses, and they're shutting their doors and they're going to definitely suffer financially from this, but people, some of the people I work with in my business, I'm trying to encourage them to get creative. You're going to have to get creative with how you, continue to provide service to people, whether it's, you know, a lot of people doing takeout food and delivery and uh, using the, 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 the web to deliver classes and products online. Like it's just going to be such a weird time for people to 
pivot really and how they live their daily lives. I mean, as a culture, we certainly get into our rhythms and our grooves and all of a sudden we're told, slow down, stop, don't leave your house. It's hard to adjust to that. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, so beyond the doom and gloom, what are some things you heard lately? I guess I want to end on a high note here. What are some encouraging signs that you could give people some peace of mind about some good things you've seen? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, here's the the big take home messages. Uh, you know, I think there's are I think there are a lot of positives. Uh, number one, the vast vast majority are this is going to be a minor illness. The vast majority of us are going to survive. Um, uh, number two, I think our country is going to be stronger. I think again, I think there will be future pandemics, and I think this is going to allow us to set up a framework. I think we clearly. I think our government has done a pretty good job, but I think this is going to help us solidify maybe stockpile plan for the future. Um, and then number three, this is going to pass. I know this seems like forever, but this is going to pass. And I honestly think by Easter, I think the timing is going to be perfect. We all look forward to Easter as uh, Christians. Um, and uh, I think that by Easter, you're going to see these numbers plummet. That's my own personal opinion. Um, our, I think our, our leaders are telling us this could go on for months and months. My own personal opinion, just based off what we saw with SARS, is I think we should all really look forward to Easter for many reasons. But I think we should see that, you know, a lot of this is going to pass through, blow through. And I think you're going to see that. So, I mean, I think people should feel that this is going to be good for our our country. The vast majority are going to survive it. This is going to pass through. Um, And I think there's been some valuable lessons learned. And Uh I think uh, I know that. Even here in our office, we now are going to do electronic visits, which is new for us. And so now patients can log in and we will FaceTime with patients over the phone and or over the computer. And that's something we've never done. And now we can do so, uh, you know, necessity is the mother of all invention. I think there's going to be some good that comes out of this. And I know it's affected our office in a positive way. And I think... Um, you know, I think there'll be some good lessons learned, you know, going down the road. So I think it should not be all doom and gloom. I think, you know, most Americans should feel good about how we've done, where we're going, lessons learned. And and again, the vast majority are going to be just fine. Good. And I've even seen some positive things today reported from South Korea and China starting to shut down some of their like emergency clinics. I saw a thing that said Apple had reopened a lot of its stores over there in China and South Korea. And even I saw locally, the Cleveland Clinic has um, either developed or has almost completed working on a test that you can get results under 24 hours. Right. So trying to find the silver lining and little yeah. things like that. Yeah. And the biggest thing I've heard from you today that I think is different than what the, we've heard from the media is that this is going to happen again. And this is going to we're going to learn from this. And that's to me, that's different. I haven't heard that narrative. So that's been super informative as well to think that we're going to learn from this so that in five or 10 years, we will be better prepared. Yeah. yeah. And, and we will, we will see it. I mean, you know, this is biology and um, you know, if there's too many deer, there's deer wasting disease. If there's too many rodents, the rodents die off. And I'm not implying that there's too many humans, but our world is crowded and there are parts of our world with very dense populations and I don't think that the Chinese are going to change how they do what they call their wet markets. That's not going to change. And so the, you know, the incubation of this 
nothing has, has changed in terms of that. And so we need to expect that we are going to see this again. Let's be ready. And I think this is a great wake up for all of us. I would agree. Dr. Hudson, my last question to you would be, where do people, what is your suggestion and the best place for people to stay informed about this? Because obviously there's a lot of mixed messaging out there. That's why I wanted to talk to you directly. What's your recommended place where they should go to stay informed? Yeah, I think that that's a great question because misinformation really, I really do think it is an excellent website. I think the CDC website is excellent. Um, Both CNN and Fox, both of them, I'm not talking right or left, have links that do connect to good, accurate information. Um, The CDC, though, I think is really by far the best. Um, The main journal that I read is the New England Journal of Medicine, also big journals. The Cleveland Clinic has their own journal. The Mayo Clinic has their own journal. A lot of those journals you can log on to, and they give really good information regarding these. So, for example, if you just type in NEJM, the New England Journal of Medicine, you're clearly going to get unbiased views regarding scientific data, what, what is being coming out. And again, other big journals, Mayo Clinic, Cleveland Clinic, um, those would be other journals you could look at, you know, if you really wanted to get more scientific data, you know, um, be careful of chat rooms, be careful of, you know, uh, you know, people that are trying to put political spins on that. I find that to be personally very disappointing when people are politicizing this and are blaming politicians or that to me is very disappointing. And again, I'm not, I'm not pointing to the right or the left, but I think, we this is a time this is our 9-11 of our of of 2020 this is a time when we as americans need to come together band together let's think together let's not point fingers right now and that's what i'm hoping for i i, and I think we've seen a little of that you know i think um again i'm not i'm not pro-trump anti-trump but let's stop pointing fingers let's work together let's let's come up with you know solutions and so I don't want this thing to become a political thing as much as possible. Yeah, no, it's, there's a lot of noise out there. And that's why uh, I think your, your perspective is so valuable because you're coming at it with a, you know, an authentic way because yeah. you, you are in it. Like you said, you are, you're here every day We're in with it. patients and you're potentially seeing people We're that have it. the virus. So I'm sure we uh, have. I really appreciate your perspective, your time and really the work you're doing because man, there's Thanks. a lot of people at home that are thinking, I would not want to be a doctor <laughs> or a nurse these days. So well, like I said, it was a little bit of a gut check. Sure. It was a little bit. You know, uh, you know, it was a little bit of a gut check for me. You know, am I ready? You know, if I got sick, am I, you know, am I ready? And, right. um, and I feel good about that. And yeah. I, I, you know, I'll, I have, I have faith and I have faith in myself and I have faith in our medical system. And if something serious did happen, then I, you know, that's what we are as Christians are supposed to do. Right. right? Exactly. Faith yeah. over fear. Right. That's right. Well, Dr. Hudson, thanks so much for your Welcome. time today. And uh, I really appreciate all the value you added to uh, folks that are going to listen to the podcast and hopefully put their minds a little bit at ease. Good, good. Nice talking to you.
Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode of Keeping It Real. That was a uh, very informative conversation for me. I was taking notes the whole time and I couldn't wait to get home to share some of uh, Dr. Hutzel's uh, insight and suggestions and recommendations with my family. And I would encourage you guys, if you're listening to this, please take this seriously. Uh, do your part, stay home, don't go out. The only way we are really going to see a decrease in this virus, as you all know, because I am not a doctor, but the only way that's gonna happen is if we just follow the rules. I mean, how often in our lives are we going to be told as a public service uh, order to stay home and relax? Do it, please. Stay home, don't go out be part of the cure for this disease. There's a lot of people out there that are going to become very sick from this and possibly lose their life. Um, we can't we can't live with that on our conscience. So I'm, I'm being real with you right now and I'm just asking you to do your part uh, in staying educated, staying informed, staying encouraged and um, staying home. So if you have any other questions about the coronavirus that you can't find on any blog or can't find on any news network uh, that you would like me to directly ask Dr. Hutzel, I would be happy to do that. Please feel free to email me. Uh, my email address is in the show notes. Uh, click on there, shoot me an email and I'd be happy to forward that on to Dr. Hutzel uh, or send me a message on Instagram. However, you want to get a hold of me through the social media or email, I'd be happy to um, get some information uh, about uh, you know how coronavirus is going to affect us here in Erie, Pennsylvania. Thank you guys, as always, for uh, supporting the podcast. Please continue to support other podcasts here in Erie, Pennsylvania. There's so many people putting out great content. Don't forget to search uh, some of the other local podcasts in our region. And as always, download and listen to their um, there are episodes wherever you get your podcasts. In the meantime, this was a production of Revox Social where we help people tell their stories uh, through social media. We give them a platform to do that. And uh, this podcast is one of those places. So thanks for listening, guys. Stay safe and stay home. Bye.